How's it going, everyone? My name is Damien, and I'll be your host on this episode of The Runner on Air. Lately, I've been wondering if people are feeling lonely because, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic and most in-person get-togethers have been canceled. I saw a tweet once that said something like, rest in peace to my quality time and physical touch, folks. Times are tough. But anyway, I decided to do some research on whether or not people are feeling lonely, and, well, the results varied. A study published in June of 2020 by Lucetti et al., Americans did not show a significant increase in loneliness from January through April. The authors do mention that it does not mean that those who are vulnerable are not feeling lonely. In January of 2021, van der Velden et al. published a study where the Dutch population showed an increase in the amount of people who felt emotional loneliness from October 2019 to June 2020. But overall, they were able to adjust to changes in their daily life caused by the coronavirus. They are, however, Dutch. The researchers acknowledge in the study that the results would most likely not be the same in a different area with heavy coronavirus infections and weaker economies. The mixed results intrigued me, but also reminded me of a communication theory called media multiplexity theory by Caroline Haythorn-White. Many of the studies done with media multiplexity involve different forms of computer-mediated communication, or CMC, which is essentially what is now the standard form of communication. This theory pretty much says the stronger the tie or connection between two individuals, the more likely they are to have multiple channels to communicate through. It also says the more channels between two individuals, the more likely they are to have a stronger tie. I wanted to know more about how this theory related to loneliness during the pandemic. Up next, I discuss how media multiplexity theory of communications is playing out in real time with lecturer in communications Amber Chang of California State University, Bakersfield. Do you think that people are feeling increasingly lonely during the pandemic? I think if they're willing to feel lonely, then they are. And I know that sounds a little bit weird, but with what media multiplexity understands is you're getting from the relationship, what you're putting into it and what you're willing to do to maintain it. Right. And so with media multiplexity, it says the stronger the relationship, the more connection you are, the more avenues you seek to communicate with the other person. So to some extent, like if we put COVID aside, the same concept holds true. You're only lonely if you're putting yourself in this sort of situation by not connecting with the other folks, but not continuing those interpersonal ties, by not seeking out multiple ways of communication. When you add COVID on top of it and you have this sort of forced situation you're in, it's still up to the individual to seek out other methods of communication. And, you know, you can get caught up in your feelings and it's very easy to do. And, you know, I've done it because this, this world is just bizarre right now. And I had a sort of a stark reminder of what the world is like a few weekends ago when I went to go do something. And then the place I went to go do it, I was just gone and I didn't know it was gone. And I mourned a little bit for what I remember things used to be. And then I've been reminded of this a few times. If I dwelled in it, if I wallowed in it, then yes, I could become lonely about it. But for me, it's like, okay, I'm sad. This is such a bummer. It sucks. Figure out another way to make it work, you know? And that's kind of like the attitude I took. And so like we've talked about before, and I mentioned in, in class in the fall, you know, my best friend moves to Washington. I could have very easily let this relationship die because I wasn't seeing her in person like I was before, you know? She wasn't coming to see me. I wasn't going to see her. It was up to me to maintain it. It was up to her to maintain it. And we put in the willingness to make that happen. And if we didn't, then the relationship's going to die. And so it's like just the same thing is true in COVID. If you find other ways of maintaining those interpersonal connections, yeah, you're going to be lonely because the world is bizarre and things keep changing. And it's hard to know what's going to be different from one day to the next, but you can still do something about it. 
And I'm not a mental health professional. So I'm talking about this in terms of interpersonal communication and, you know, relationship dialectics and then media multiplexity here. And these things say it's completely within your control if you're willing to, you know, foster and engage and develop the relationship and continue to work on it no matter what's happening. It's not really any different than you having a disagreement or a spat and not talking to each other. If you're willing to pick it back up again, then the relationship is going to survive. If you allow petty differences to get in the way, if you allow COVID to get in the way, then things are going to be a challenge. And that's the, that's the key difference here. And, and the reason why I think media multiplexity explains what's happening in the world so very, very well. If you're willing to put in the time, if you're willing to commit to the relationship, the fact you can't see someone face to face is not going to diminish the quality of the relationship at all. I think that's definitely true. Like we said, like, you know, when you lose somebody close to you or not, you know, physically, they just physically move away. The relationship usually stays there to some extent. You still have that connection, especially if there's like in media multiplexity theory, if there's multiple channels that you use to communicate with the person, then you're more likely to keep that strong tie. Right. And the key with that is the willingness to do so, right? The willingness to, or well, the the sort of drive to overcome the elimination of one channel and allow another channel to replace it. That's the key. And so that's why when we talk about this in terms of tie strength, you know, we talk about really strong relationships versus very casual, convenient relationships is what I like to call them. You know, so the very strong relationship with strong ties, you're going to have multiple ways you communicate with each other. You know, you see face to face, you talk on the phone, you FaceTime, you text, see them on social media, you know, any number of things lots of ways to communicate. And so if you have like all these ways to communicate and you just lose one, you still have the rest as long as you're willing to do it, right? But then you have those convenient relationships and they're sitting over here. Those convenient relationships are the ones where you don't have multiple modes of communication. You see them at school, you see them at work, you see them at church. They're your friend on social media because you like the same sports team. You know, that's kind of my thing. You lose the one channel, you pretty much lose the relationship and you're okay with it because it's not deep and lasting and meaningful. And so in an era such as COVID, those relationships right now might be getting stronger because we're seeing each other in the method of convenience so much more, but that doesn't mean the relationship is any stronger, any more lasting or any more tied together than the ones over here where you have multiple methods of communication. The key with this is understanding the onus on the individual to be willing to maintain the relationship when you lose one of those methods of communication and media multiplexity says, if you've got a really strong relationship, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you lose that one. It doesn't matter if your best friend moves to Washington or moves across the country like yours did. You have those other methods so long as you're willing to use them to maintain and foster the relationship. And that's the key. Do you see there being a, an expansion of media multiplexity within the next couple of years because of COVID? I think we've already seen it. You know, remember what it was like early on. So March 12th last year is when we got the message from CSUB's president Zelezny about the campus closure. March 12th. So we are talking on February 19th. What are we talking? 360 days probably-ish. I think it's already come and gone. And early on, remember how we were all in our houses and we were just scared to leave and we only did with the grocery store and it gave rise to this massive option as far as you know, grocery delivery from people who are willing to be out there. I think we've already seen the change because we've taken those relationships where we would normally see somebody in person and we're like, I love you too much to see you in person. I, I respect you too much to possibly get you sick. 
And so then you switch to other modes of communication. And so with media multiplexity, if you've got strong ties and you're wanting to hold on to the relationship, you didn't worry that the face-to-face was gone. You texted, you FaceTimed, you talked on the phone, you talked on social media, you know, you looked for those other options in order to maintain the relationship. And who knows, your relationship could have gotten deeper and more meaningful as a result if you were willing to cultivate it. Part of the problem was we, we talked a little bit about the loneliness of it all, right? I don't know that there was anyone among us who was happy as can be about what started happening in March last year. Because everything we knew it and everything we understood about how to go about our daily lives was just like, there it goes, it's out the window, it doesn't matter. And so then we might have let relationships falter ever so slightly. But as we started to see the days drag on, we realized we need to do something in order to maintain our humanity and to maintain our connection with others. And so then those tie strengths started to build again. And we started to look for those other, and it was all CMCs, computer-mediated communication, in order to get us together. Because whether it is your phone or it is a computer with social media, it's still computer-mediated. And you started to look for other ways to to talk to someone when you couldn't see them and, and didn't want to see them face-to-face. So I think we've already seen the effect. What we're, what will be interesting to see, and obviously we are not there yet and we're nowhere near it, is what's going to happen when we get the face-to-face back and what face-to-face looks like. Because, you know, I have a tissue here. I don't have a mask, but this is not face-to-face. <laughs> you know, walking around with a mask, you're not seeing the whole facial expression. And, and unless you're Tyra Banks, you know, and you're smizing, it's hard to tell when someone's smiling and, and whatever, because you don't have their face involved. And who knows? You're losing that interpersonal connection and that and that knowing. And then if we go back into a world where we're allowed out a lot, but we're, we're covered, it's going to change how we react to each other because so much of our interpersonal connection and our relationship development is all of this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's that nonverbal communication that tells someone whether or not they're welcomed into your world or not. And it can be very, very challenging, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> you yeah. know, if I encounter someone, I'm like air hug because I don't want to touch them and I don't want them to touch me. And it's just, it's going to be weird to see what happens because we've become so reliant on CMC in the last 360 some odd days. So it's, you know, what's going to happen when I get into a classroom again, or when I'm out in the world again, and it's, you know, we're not behind masks. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see though. And we're, I mean, we're kind of living a researcher's, at least a communication researcher's dream right now. You know, there's, there's already been a whole lot of research about communication in the COVID era. And when you messaged me, I thought I'd go look. And I was like, wow, we started seeing publishings as early as October, which is pretty amazing. So people are realizing that interpersonal communication and the way that we interact with others is changing and it's changing dramatically. Yeah, yeah. It is why I wanted to have the conversation because I kept thinking about all this. There's just so much changing in the way we communicate, how we communicate between between the individual and an organization, between interpersonal relationships, just all types of communication has been completely changed or altered. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's interesting because like, so you may remember my former life, I was in PR, you know, been professor at CSUB about three years, but in the role I'm in right now, I go to class, I go to office hours, I go home, go to class, go to office hours, go home. So I don't have a lot of that interpersonal professional relationship with people, although I took on a new role this last semester that would increase that, but I've never known that role outside of the COVID era. So I don't know what it looks like face to face. Right. But in my previous world, like I have a hard time imagining how Maybe not now because we've settled into the stride of this, but like April, May, June last year, how would you even do PR and have that element of things? And you started to see, I've been watching it like from a media science type thing. 
the evolution of what's happening like with television advertising and the way that we do interviews and TV news and all of it, it, it continued to evolve. But early on, it was very weird. You know, everything was very weird. Like there was this stoppage of, you know, all sports were stopped. And then the TV news folks were like working from home and nobody came in studio. And so there had to have been adjustment involved that I'm not sure how we're going to come all the way back from. I just see what, from my point of view, a continued sort of chasm in face-to-face communication and understanding how to talk to someone face-to-face and how to have those proper interactions because we've been doing all our interacting behind a computer. And it will be challenging to have some people come back from that and their interpersonal communication styles. Would you think that'd be an interesting thing to research? Like the effects? Oh, yeah. Like, and especially on the development of interpersonal skills from adolescence into adulthood. Yeah, because, you know, folks like me, we've already been there, done that. We know how to talk to people and we know how to sort of maintain our respectfulness and our reasonableness. But think about the little ones. That's where I wonder. Like my best friend, she's got elementary school age students. They're out of that sort of rowdy, rambunctious first, second, third grader stage into forming who they are as going to be as people or beginning to form who they are as people. And they're doing it behind a computer screen. And so we're going to see uh, influx. We're going to see an influx of students who don't know how to learn in person. We're going to see an influx of people who do not know how to communicate in person or know how to properly behave in person. And it's going to be problematic. How far down the road that is, I don't know. I mean, that, that may be a little bit down the road, but we're already a year into this I don't know how much longer it's going to be. If it gets a lot longer, it's going to be some fascinating studies because there's a whole lot to look at. And especially from the communication point of view, knowing how to talk to people in person, knowing how to interact in person, knowing how to maintain personal space and boundaries. I mean, that's something, those haptics are very important in interpersonal communication. And I think we talked about a little bit like my bubble (laughs) and how big my bubble is. And some people's bubbles aren't as big. And if you don't remember that people have bubbles because you haven't seen them in person, then you could have some sort of, you know, issues with that too. It's just, it's a very interesting time. And as I'm sure it's going to be very fascinating to see what comes out of communication research in the next couple of years. I'm excited. I'm- yeah. I mean, if you, if you love theory and research, it's a fascinating time. You get these sort of generational things, you know, I'd say like the last big communication type research would have probably been with 9-11 because of that sort of overall switch in maybe being comfortable to where you are than feeling inherently unsafe where you live, you know? And that's definitely got a communication aspect to it because it's about how you go into the world. You know, Vietnam War would have been another example of this. And these sort of just generational problems that come around once a generation and really change your perspective on things. And you're living it right now. And it's, it's going to be fascinating to see what comes out of it. And like last spring, I was teaching the same class I am right now, but an introduction to public relations class. It's really interesting to see how companies, even last spring, as things were evolving, how they were moving and changing and trying to better understand even crisis communication in the midst of all this, when everything was all hell was breaking loose last spring, and then settled into this almost constant crisis communication mode now. I think we're going to see a lot of really interesting changes and really interesting studies come out of it because you just can't help but look at it and go, wow, everything we knew, how we were working, how we did stuff is all just gone poof. And who knows what's to come? 
I think the key with it, because you wanted to talk specifically about media multiplexity is like what I iterated. And it's basically, it's only as good as the relationship is strong. And so if you have a strong relationship, you'll seek out multiple methods of communication with the person. And so if you lose one, it's not going to have a massive impact on the relationship unless you let it. If you let it, then it could be dramatic because you can have very strong interpersonal relationships and like a really good friend and you happen to see them, all of a sudden you're in the same class together or you see them somewhere and you see them there regularly, it's going to improve the tie strength because you're gonna get more interaction. If you lose that, you have to be willing to hang on to it through other methods. And this is the key. And this is why what media multiplexity says on the other side is, if the relationship isn't strong, if it's casual, as I call it, if it's superficial and convenient, you lose the tie, the relationship goes poof and you're okay with it because the relationship wasn't as strong as you want. The key is remembering the personal responsibility in it all. And I think that's what we forget when we talk about some of these theories. There's still an individual involved. There's still a person, there's still a human, you know, someone with their own unique ideas. And it's all about whether or not you're letting the relationship go away just because you lose an avenue of communication. If you're not willing to let the relationship go away, you will figure out a way, including in the COVID era of not seeing people face to face, you'll figure out a way to maintain it. And you and I are examples of this with a pre-COVID situation of us both having our best friends relocate, right? We were not willing to let those relationships die even though we're not seeing those people face to face. We picked up other avenues and we brought them in in order to make our conversation much more balanced and rounded. And that's what media multiplexity says. And so while in COVID, those of us who haven't really thought about it may realize, oh my gosh, I haven't seen that person in 11 months you hopefully picked up other ways of connecting with them to maintain the, the relationship and keep it going so that when the world returns to whatever it's going to be, you can see them again. And, and multimedia, multimedia multiplexity focuses exactly on this. It's just about understanding how willing you are to invest in maintaining the relationship when maybe you lose one of those elements that brought you together. Thank you so much. Absolutely, Damien, anytime. Media multiplexity is all about the connection between individuals and their social community. Remaining connected is about the willingness to be flexible with how you communicate with those close to you. We may not be able to communicate face-to-face, -face, but technology allows us to maintain those ties through computer-mediated communication, keeping us from feeling lonely. Until next time. For more content, check out The Runner's website at therunneronline.com. You can also find us on social media at csub underscore runner on Twitter, or the runner underscore CSUB on Instagram.